Hey, fellow sex workers, we desperately need your help. I, myself, Steph C. of Stripicea, as well as Carly David from PS Group, who I work with. We also have Siri Doll, who's a legendary adult content creator, along with Lexi Luna, another legendary content creator. We are forming a panel to present at the mainstream conference South by Southwest in Austin, Texas next year. And voting is open right now, and we would really, really love your vote. Um, just because it accounts for 30% of the final decision. So we are doing a presentation on sex worker marketing, which is super important. This is a really big mainstream conference. We really want to bring sex worker stories to the forefront. So if you have a minute, please take time to register and vote at Panel Picker, P-A-N-E-L, P-I-C-K-E-R dot S-X-S-W dot com. Voting ends on August 20th. So please, fingers crossed, toes crossed, and please vote for us. Thank you so much in advance. Welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, aka Kimchi on stage. I am a stripper. I am a digital content creator. I am also a, or was a former sugar baby, and I will be on a stage near you if you live in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I will be on stage, I think at the time of this recording, the week after, at Shaker's Show Lounge. So come say hi, maybe you can go for a dance and we can chat about my show. That'd be really cool. Um, but we're not here to talk about me. And I, I apologize again, I'm still a little bit sick. My nose is very congested. No, it is not COVID. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> that's the first thing that people think. It's like, oh my God, did you get a COVID test? I'm fine. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, I am just a bit congested, so sorry if there is like weird, if it doesn't sound like me, that is why. Um, quick, quick shout out here to Arup Sarkar, Justin Erickson, as well as Jay Sanser, who are in the top tier of my Patreon. Be sure to peep it out, and especially if you want to help support the show, because I do this stuff for free every single week, bringing you all the people from all the corners of the sex industry in order to destigmatize sex work including this cute little voice that you might have heard um, a little bit on today's episode in the first minute and a half. <laughs> we had <laughs> this cute, adorable laugh, and I had no idea that she sounded so cute like this. <laughs> like, I'm just smiling so much. You can't see me, but if you, do, if you are on Patreon, you will be able to see the video. But I would like to introduce everyone to Leanna Lovings, who is... Hello. Hello, cutie. <laughs> so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, Liana is a cam girl and a porn star based in Florida, USA. And we are so excited to bring her on to the show today and talk all things camming, talk all things porn, talk all things safety, talk all things being online and streaming yourself and being yourself. So, Liana, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Hello. 
<laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. It's so nice to have you. And we just connected a few minutes ago and I'm just like, oh my God, you are just a little, ah, I want to put you in my pocket. <laughs> it's so nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to speak with me. Hello. Absolutely. Hello. <laughs> I want to ask if I butchered your intro or how is our intro? Because I, I would always love to flip it back to you to, you know, put it in your own words and in your own terms about who you are and how you want to be portrayed as. So feel free to go ahead. Uh, yeah. You know what? I think that it was a pretty good intro. I'm just Leanna Lovings. I am a cam girl and porn star, and I uh, illustrate on the side, and I play video games. That is pretty much uh, me in a nutshell. I am a classic girl next door. I love it. Oh, my gosh. So you do a lot of other things, too, obviously. Like, how do you find time in your day to do all of the things? Because being online is can be really, well, one, taxing, and also really time-consuming as well. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, between my very busy schedule, uh, if I'm on tour doing porn things, I rarely do have time to myself. Uh, but if I do get a day or so off, I'll usually be able to uh, illustrate or play a game. I usually, uh, it's 50-50 on what I choose to do that day. I actually have a wheel I have a wheel spinning app that makes me uh, like choose what I want to do <laughs> if I can't pick. I love that. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to go into it later in terms of camming, maybe certain games that you play and, and stuff like that, um, which we will all go into detail. But I would love for us to start right at the beginning or wherever you want to start, whatever your beginning is um, in terms of like maybe your upbringing or like how you found yourself in camming. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I had a very sheltered upbringing. I did not know much about the outside world uh, as I was growing up. I uh, grew up in a mega church. Uh, some of my fans already know uh, that I uh, was a non-denominational Christian at the time. Okay. And uh, as I got into high school, I started uh, exploring uh, different belief systems, and then I sort of decided that in order to find what I really believed, I needed to piece together, based on those different religions, what I thought made sense. And when I did, I realized, uh, especially just in public school in general, it's a huge difference between private school. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it really helped me uh, sort of question what I had been raised up in. And um, then in college, I decided that I wanted to explore myself more. I'd been raised... Uh, sort of in this image that masturbation was bad. I had not even like really tried to masturbate because when I did, uh, I would feel really guilty about it and then I'd stop. Yes. <laughs> I would just think like, oh no, God's watching me. And then I like, I would just stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was so bad. And um, I decided that I needed to get rid of this phobia because as much as like I'd been taught that masturbation was a sin and every different church is going to have its own preferences on what they want to teach you. Th the one that I had been the most raised in said that masturbation was really bad. And 
I decided that I would go on Chatterbait to try and confront that fear. So Chatterbait is an online streaming service that uh, anyone can use to chat and masturbate at the same time. And that was my beginning as a cam girl. What? Oh my god! Okay, see, people can't see my face, but I draw my jaw dropped like so many times when you were telling your story. And I'm like, oh my god! Wow. Okay. Okay. So many things before we dive in to Chatterbait. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. First of all, for those who are listening and who are who might not be religious, can you? define or describe what a non-denominational Christian is or what that would entail? Uh, Yes. So non-denominational Christians basically don't have a denomination. We uh, sort of adhere to kind of like rules that don't have a specific title. Oh. And uh, it just means that we kind of were set aside and kind of made our own path in, in certain interpretations of the Bible and in certain uh, like interpretations of like what it means that we should do in our daily lives. Mm. So it's kind of like from what I'm kind of understanding, it's like you, there's the Bible and you can kind of have your own understanding or your own. Yeah. Oh, that's really an, an interesting way to kind of digest that because I grew up as Roman Catholic and it's very much like mm. this is God's word and this is what you have to adhere to. And yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, yeah, a little bit different too. But yes, I mean, with religion, it <laughs> It's it's uh, an interesting topic too, and I feel like a lot of people, and I feel like a lot of people in general might question it at some point in their lives. And yours is quite early in high school. Was there like yeah. anything oh, yeah. that you were like, I don't really understand, or like I'm not sure if I really believe in all this? Was there any kind of like moment where it was like a light bulb that went off, or you're like, Nah, I don't know if it's for me. You know, to be honest, it started out as a very slow churning because I had been raised in it for years. So I thought that it was normal. The thing that actually made my faith waver was how people in the church community acted around each other because everyone was so hypocritical. You had all of these adults telling you, oh, this is what the Bible says. This is what we need to do in order to follow it. And then you see those same adults not listen to anything that they were saying. And you're like, oh, well, the tenets say this. This is what we should be listening to. And then you see them just sort of interpret it in a way that they want to, or just completely go against each other. I saw like a lot of the women in prayer groups would uh, like get really gossipy to each other, which was just so strange to me. But like a lot of the moms in a certain prayer group would end up like saying things maybe about another mom and then that would get to their kids. And then the kids would end up like interacting with each other in a way that mirrored their parents. And when I saw all of that, I realized that it didn't line up with my particular faith. I felt like, well, if I'm following, you know, all of these rules, why aren't the other people that are practicing uh, Christianity following them too? I know that some people really do try their hardest. Uh, you know, no one's going to be perfect, but it was just so hypocritical. I mean, when I um, 
when I was nine, we moved out into the country and we couldn't go to the mega church. So we had to go to a variety of other churches to try and find what we considered the right fit. And in that time, we saw so many different churches that did awful things. Like there was a sign. I remember my mom was driving me to school and I looked out the window and there was actually a church with a sign that said, God can't be everywhere. So he created mothers. What? And that was a Mother's Day sign. And I was like, the Bible actually says that we consider God to be everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> how are they going to put that sign up? <laughs> and we had another church that actually decided to do a cash for gold system. And I was just what? like, oh, my gosh, have we learned nothing? Yeah. It was absolutely insane to me. And those types of events were extremely formative in in my change yeah I don't blame you at all and (laughs) I hear you there's just doesn't seem to be consistency when it comes to religion sometimes or as you mentioned and how I kind of strayed away from the church too was I also viewed it as being hypocritical like you can treat they say treat everyone the same and you treat everyone as your equal blah 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 but then, like, you see them discriminating certain groups, and you're like, well, that doesn't really align with what you're Exactly. Yeah. So I, I hear your frustration in that. And um, it was really, really cool to hear that, like, that happened so early on, and you were just so smart and intellectual enough to be like, I'm not sure, like, about this. And this is not really aligning with, like, what what I think religion is supposed to be. Or Yeah. 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 Really interesting. Thank you for that piece. Like, <laughs> I think it's really, really important um, in, in telling your story. So, <laughs> absolutely. But I guess, like, we can all say, I mean, in my religion or my my former religion, and yours, that masturbation is bad <laughs> and sex mm-hmm. is bad. So you decided to go on Chatterbait <laughs> as a self exploration journey. Yeah. Wow. I realized that. If I did not have enough courage to kind of explore myself, you know, then the distance of something online might be able to to encourage me more. And I started interacting with fans on Chatterbait. It was really exciting to just sort of meet other people online that were kind of encouraging me to to explore that that side. I remember my very first uh, stream, I was just so nervous and I didn't know how to talk to anybody. And then as the streams kind of continued, I I started to strip and I started to actually like really enjoy myself. There was sort of this extremely transformative experience that Chatterbait brought me through that gave me the courage in my body and my beauty and just in my own physicality that I don't think I would have had otherwise. And my fans really supported me throughout this entire journey. Wow. That is so interesting to hear because I just, I've never heard of anyone getting into camming that specific and unique way. First of all, like, how did you even hear about Chatterbait? Was it something that you heard from a friend or like the online community or like, what was your introduction? Oh, okay. So I was in like a Discord group, which is like a group of gamers uh, that like uh, we all would go onto an app, which is Discord, and then we would have an individual group and get together and talk. And 
I was hanging out and they said, hey, why don't we check Chatterbait? And when I discovered that website, I thought that it was amazing. And I immediately started studying the other girls and their streams and what made them successful. Mm -hmm. I would look at like the most popular girls on stream at different times of day every day for like a couple weeks. And I sort of created my own formula for how I think that my business would work out and uh, how I thought camming would work out eventually. Wow. And were you correct <laughs> with your own? Uh, yes. Ah, there we go. <laughs> you know, I really, I really like didn't consider camming as a business until probably two years in because it was so intimate. And I mean, it still is extremely intimate just being able to connect with other people and uh, find that intimacy in yourself and with them. And uh, as I started to take it more seriously, um, by about four years in, I was officially going into porn. And that was uh, just this last September. Wow. Well, huge congratulations, first of all, which is, I'm sure, so excited. And I can't wait to dig into <laughs> that that topic as well, because um, your journey oh, has yeah. just been so cool to hear so far. <laughs> There's so much more that we need to get into detail with. But Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm no. just sort of bouncing between things. That's but... okay. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, everyone listening will have to just wait until we get into the whole porn topic later in the episode too. But Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> You'll just have to wait. But okay. So with Chatterbait and with camming and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So you had this formula. Um, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about what you thought the formula was, but I thought it was really smart of you to, you know, be an observer first. See what that's like. Um, I mean, ask questions if you could before oh, jumping yeah. like two feet in. Yeah. Tell us about I that. I wanted to make sure that it was going to be a very sort of smooth experience uh, going into Chatterbait. And I started reading a bunch of guides oh. <laughs> on like how to be a cam girl, what equipment to get. And um, I looked up uh, like how I should set my bedroom up <laughs> yes. and I made sure to reference with other girls like oh a bunch of other girls have stuffed animals and I really like them can I just get fans to buy me stuffed animals and they can like contribute to what my room is going to look like and they can name them that was sort of the the formula that I started out with I thought that you know I would start out with whatever I had, and I started out with a potato of a computer, um, <laughs> and then my fans helped me get a webcam and lights, uh, and eventually that was how I sort of started building up, uh, like my studio. I call it. That's so cool. <laughs> it's um, it's so cool, um, but yeah. I love that idea. And that's so smart too because instead of like having to use your own money, then you got like fans to help fund that. And I think that is really yeah. cool. I love that. And as I took it slowly, it really helped me define like how comfortable I felt with it. If I wanted to keep going, how long I felt like I could keep doing it. Um, I really took every step with a lot of consideration. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important too because then I, I feel like a lot of us may have just been like, oh, I'm just going to try it and just turn my webcam on and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely um, 
there's definitely like a lot of care that you should think about it because uh, like whatever goes out on the internet is going to stay there. And mm-hmm. just from my Chatterbait streams, not even from my other media, I've had my streams sort of ripped from Chatterbait and put on other websites, like other websites that people could definitely find. Uh, so I went in prepared as in like, okay, if I go in, I know some of my friends or my family might see the content that I'm making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really good thing to note here too because I know the last time I really did like a full-on episode with Camming, we had mm-hmm. so many questions, so many people who download the episode. And I, I think it's really important to talk about safety, what kind of precautions you're taking. Um, yes. Can you talk about, about that in a bit more detail for us? Yeah. Uh, So when it came to safety, Chatterbait has a couple really awesome features that I could use where I could uh, go into the settings and for privacy, I could choose what states in the U.S. were allowed to see me or what countries. If I didn't want a certain country to see me, I could block their IP Mm -hmm. and then I would be a little bit more shielded, like let's say I had like an uncle in Vermont or something, I could make sure that they didn't have access to my stream. I thought that was extremely helpful. I separated all of my social media, so I created uh, my alternate self, which is going to be Leanna Living's. Um, I came up with uh, everything right off of the bat. But I made sure that there was enough information that was still vague that people would really have to try hard to find out, uh, like, who I was. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing that's actually extremely important that I found out uh, when I started getting toys for Chatterbait is that you really have to be careful with the kind of things that you buy. Yes. Um, so legally... Toys like dildos, other sex toys, are actually classified as novelty toys. And they are not under any kind of purview by the FDA, any kind of like analysis in terms of safety for what we put in our bodies. And if you tried to sue them for, say, chemical burns that you can't actually get from a, from a toxic dildo, that's what they're called. What? Uh, they're not legally liable because you used a novelty toy inside of you. I did not know so, that. Yeah, it's super risky. Dildo use is something that you should be really careful of. Always make sure, this is going to sound super weird, but you want to check how your dildo smells when you buy it. If it smells like tires or a very strong chemical, you're going to want to be really careful with that dildo. That's usually mean, that usually means that it was made out of an unsafe material. Ooh. Also, even if you have like 100% medical grade silicone toys, that is actually what I recommend to be the safest mm-hmm. because there's no risk. You still have to put your toys like uh, I have friends that boil their toys to sanitize them properly and that is a really good method for it there are things like uh toys that have pvc Mm -hmm. uh that have parabens toys with uh silicone that is not medical grade all of those things can contribute to a toxic dildo and so it's very important to make sure that you know what your toys are made of wow like i feel like (laughs) You could probably do an entire episode on this. <laughs> like. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just 
there's so much risk that people take when using a toy and it sounds so funny I mean I absolutely encourage toy usage because it's extremely safe it, pre it prevents STDs but at the same time not enough people know that you need to get a good quality toy. Mm -hmm. I definitely like would recommend using a toy over like other objects that you have at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, if there's like a kind of debate on what you should be using, at least like use something that is kind of a toy, but um, you know, just make sure that it's safe. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the PSA. Cause like, again, <laughs> And this it. is something that I had no idea about before I got into camming. I really like I had a bad experience where I bought a toy and it smelled like tires and I was just kind of like gagging when I used it. Uh, like and I just thought, well, you know, why is that? This is just bad. You know, I threw it out and I got down this huge rabbit hole about how toys are like unprotected and um it was so strange. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, I just feel like, okay, this is something you put in your body. Yes, there is a risk involved, but I never thought about, like, mm -hmm. even stuff like that with smell, the type of material and stuff like that, too. And you're mentioning off-air, too, about not putting two dildos together, and why is that? Or certain dildos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so because of the certain properties that certain dildos have, if it's not 100% medical grade silicone, then they can actually melt together if you keep your dildos together. <laughs> <laughs> and that specifically hasn't happened to me, but I have had a case where a dildo of mine melted in a drawer. <laughs> It got stuck, like, into the drawer. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, I was so – it was traumatizing. I can't even imagine I what still can't like. believe it. I can't believe that. Like, you're giving me yeah. a visual, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Did you have to get a new dresser? Um, No. Uh, I just kind of, like, scraped it off. <laughs> That's awful. All I can like imagine is like, <laughs> like pink or purple, like, like, bloopers. <laughs> like, oh my gosh! No, oh well, uh, it just like it just kind of stuck to it. I don't know. It's like uh, you know what? It's like putty. If you leave putty in a certain place for too long, you know how it kind of just like sticks. Yes. It's like, it's like that. It's like it's like a it's like dildo putty. <laughs> I love how you found yourself in this situation. It's so freaking weird and unique. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Well, you know, our lives as sex workers never dull moment. Never a dull moment. Yeah, there's definitely never a dull moment. <laughs> <laughs> can you, uh, Leanna? Can you speak a little bit about like? I don't know if, if you want to comment on maybe the importance of like certain equipment in terms of like lighting, camera. Do you need to have a mic? Oh, yeah. Like stuff like that. So I, I know that I definitely started touching on that. Yeah. And I really am excited that you asked because I'd love to elaborate on how um, lighting is extremely important. Even if you have a bad camera, if you have good lighting, it's going to immediately accentuate the quality of what's 
of what's there. Mm -hmm. It's going to make everything extremely visible. It's going to give your fans uh, more of like an idea of what your room looks like, more of what you look like, and they're going to love that. I use a three-point lighting system. So I have a light on the front, uh, usually around like to the side of my camera or almost just behind, and I have it reflecting off of a wall so it bounces off. Then I have another light to the side that I usually use. I use LED panel lights, but you can get casual umbrella lights on Amazon for about 60 bucks. Um, and then I have a third light, which is an accent light. I usually use like a floodlight that bounces off of the wall with like a really uh, nice bright color to give my room like a little bit of pop. Ah. There's actually a rule where if you put your bed a little bit too flush to the wall when you're uh, camming, then it might lack depth. So it's actually recommended when you're camming that you have a little bit of space between the wall and the bed itself to, to add uh, that greater depth of field to your room. And then um, I started out on Chatterbait with a Logitech C920. That was what my fans first bought me. And um, I think that that camera still stands as being uh, really sufficient for streams. Even when I travel, I at least have a Logitech Brio with me which is a really fantastic webcam. Uh, so uh, if I'm not using that, uh, right now I'm using my professional gear, which is uh, an Elgato Cam Link, which is a device that connects a DSLR camera, and then you have a micro USB, uh, a micro USB to uh, like an HDMI cable. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you use that to connect it to the cam link, uh, and that's what enables me to stream in such good quality. I also have a headset, a Logitech headset, uh, that I use for uh, capturing much closer audio. Mm -hmm. I really like having a very well-defined voice because I feel like, uh, at least that with my voice, it's one of the better qualities that I like accentuating. So for me, that's what's important. But if you're new to camming and you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your stream, definitely set everything up to accentuate the qualities uh, of your brand or the image that you want to show to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's so, so, so important. And I feel like maybe a lot of us starting out with camming just are not aware or maybe just like, well, I just kind of got to get started somewhere and stuff, but it makes a huge difference. Huge oh difference, yeah. Right. Even with like a $20 headset, when I first started camming, that was good enough that my fans were able to hear me more clearly. And I admit it's going to be a turn on for them to really hear you better than to maybe hear the, the fan of your laptop. If you're on a laptop, uh, or like all of the background noise everywhere else. Mm -hmm. A headset's going to cancel the sound around you and it's going to make it a much more intimate experience. Much more crisp. And I oh, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you do like ASMR content? You know what? I get a lot of requests that I should make ASMR yeah. content and I think about it a lot. I'm experimenting with it. I want to make sure that I go into it with like – skill yeah well it seems I mean like I well, first of all I was like I feel like you should like I don't know I, like, get that feeling from you. 
I get a lot of that, and other people say that I should be a voice actor. Yes. Like, if I'm not already a voice actor, I should try that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, you have such a great voice, and it's, like, it's Thank so you. cute. I already said it earlier. <laughs> it's super cute. But, yeah, no, all the stuff is super, super important and really great. And, like, of course – and I love how you, like, always – back to like you know when I was starting out I had this and I had this and I this is only $20 and stuff too so you don't need super fancy equipment like right off the bat to get started right because I feel like sometimes you can can really build your way up yeah yeah and I think you're a prime example of that because sometimes like and I feel like I feel like you are very analytical in terms of like I am going to set this up as as good as I can. I'm going to do all this research to make sure that I'm prepared. Sometimes people do that to a fault where like they just don't start at all. You know, like mm. they, they just like, Oh, well it has to be this and it has to be perfect. And then they just end up never actually taking the plunge. You ever, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you ever find that with, I mean, that didn't happen to yourself because you were able to kind of build your foundation as you went, but when I've had friends that asked for advice and started camming, I noticed that they all hesitated uh, with certain things where they thought like, oh, it has to be this way or it has to be that way. I've definitely heard it from other people where they take their time maybe a little bit too long thinking about it. At some point, no matter how much consideration you're going to put in it, you need to just eventually just start mm-hmm. because if you don't just give yourself a shot with whatever equipment that you have, you're never really going to get it going. Yeah. It's like new year's resolutions. <laughs> you know, it's something that you kind of have to commit to. And then sometimes we might put it off for a little bit, but once you just get going, you know, it's just about getting your feet on the ground Definitely. and you figure everything else out from there. 100%. I love that. And it's so positive too, the way you describe that. Just get started. Everyone just, just get started, do what you can. And speak, oh, yeah. yeah, like speaking of getting started, you got started in porn. <laughs> <laughs> just to yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. What? So how did, how did this happen? Cause you were, you said you were four years into camming yes. when you jumped into porn. How did this all uh, like, how did this all happen? Uh, so after four years of camming, I got talent scouted. And uh, from there, I got contacted by an agent. And it actually took me a year from meeting that agent to actually contact him again and say, okay, I'm ready. I took an entire year thinking about it. So I got proposed uh three years into camming and then on my fourth year I decided okay this is definitely what I want to do and I'm ready and I feel like my body is prepared for it there we go okay okay so what I always hear this too when people get scouted to get into porn this is a lot of people I know that (laughs) have gotten scouted to get into porn like how did they find you did they attend one of your streams they had seen your work before a little birdie told them or like how what happened so there are two potentialities one uh was that uh i was found by an agent off of twitter and the other uh was that i had gone to the avns in 2020 like right before all the covid stuff went down and when i was at the avns i was 
present looking for agents uh, in between streaming and interacting with my fans. And um, so it was definitely between those two things that I actually got into porn. I definitely recommend if you're curious about it, uh, when the conventions are around, go to the conventions and meet with the agent personally. Mm -hmm. And um, that was how everything sort of came together. Wow. Wow. Okay. So yeah, this is the direction that you were thinking. I'm like, okay, I'm going to consider this. Like rewind to back when you were first proposed and it took you a year to kind Mm -hmm. of get back to the agent. What was going through your head and like what – what was holding you back? Is it because you didn't have enough information? You thought maybe, I don't know if this is a scam, this person's for real or not, or like what was going through your mind during that that time? Okay. So when it first happened, I thought, wow, I mean, I've always wanted to go into porn. I've always wanted to be a porn star, but, um, I was kind of scared of having sex with guys. Mm. (laughs) Because I had not really lost my virginity. And um, it was kind of a big deal for me to to realize what I wanted to do. And uh, then my first two, uh, like, shoots when it came to porn, I had still only had sex with, like, two guys. Oh. When I actually had decided that I was ready. And um, it was a very big step for me because... I mean, what, I had been so scared of masturbating just a couple years ago, and now I was actually going to go on to having sex on video for a bunch of different companies, a bunch of different people, for the internet. And I just thought, at that point, um, what was my plan going to be and how I was really going to pursue this consistently? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So lots of questions. It sounds like you're really, really taking this seriously too. And also, oh yeah, yeah, I can really tell. And like, it's, I can't even imagine how nervous you might've been or how scared or what kind of emotions you were feeling, especially because you hadn't slept with that many people and just like jumping the gun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I really went head first into it. Um, I really thought like that I was just going to go head first and think that it was going to be terrible, but I was so excited too. I felt like being in front of a camera would make me feel dramatically safer, and it did. Mm-hmm. I felt extremely safe having a crew there uh, along with uh, the male performer. The male performer for my first time was extremely reassuring and wonderful, and um, that is what... Uh, it turned out to be. It was not like scary in the way that I really expected it to be. And uh, that I guess is what made it particularly wonderful. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad to hear that because yeah, that's like that's a huge step and I don't even know like I can't I can't comprehend like if I only yeah. people, like, oh my God. I mean yeah, going from no sex at all to suddenly lots of sex is a really big shift. My body 
I think was unprepared for all of the sex that I was going to have, <laughs> but it turned out good. There's kind of like an adjustment period of three months for your body to be like, okay, I'm used to this. I actually got so sick. I got like strep throat. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like out of commission for a couple of days because I was like, oh fuck. Oh, excuse me. I just, I got strep throat. <laughs> and I just like got all of these colds because it was just like I'm making out with all these different people and like before I was all sheltered and I was staying indoors and I was quarantining and then it's just like germs everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I really had to like bounce up my immune system and what I think a lot of people haven't noticed either that's been making it extremely difficult too is that like even during all these different waves of coronavirus when it hits a certain peak, like 90% of the porn industry is just sick. Mm-hmm. I've definitely <laughs> like that. everyone gets it. And then you have to wait a couple days or a couple weeks for everyone to clear. And then the shoots pick up again. But it is just so funny. We're all just like <laughs> getting colds every now and then. It's so, it's like, it's cyclical. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I, I've definitely heard. Um, yeah. Like when, when one person gets sick, it's like, okay, we're just going to shut it down, going to reschedule. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had to chase some people around because I'm like, oh, sorry, like the shoot just got like postponed. I have to postpone this interview. And I'm like, well, I'm yet, we got to reshoot all the stuff. But was going back to you, by the way, um, was porn everything that you thought it was going to be? Like it was everything that you expected or was it really different than – what you had thought in your head. Cause I know you said like, Oh, well this is, I feel a lot safer and this is not as scary as I thought it was going to be. But other than that, what are your thoughts now looking back on it? Hmm. There were a lot of things that were, uh, that were true in my expectations. And then there were a lot of things that surprised me. Specifically, I was expecting that a lot of the models were just going to be mean. I think that's kind of the stereotype. I was prepared because also you expect that people with a certain level of celebrity will be kind of rude to you, I guess, even if you're a coworker. And there's just so much kindness and so much uh, like positive interaction that occurs when you're on set with your fellow castmates it's really amazing and it's really reassuring the whole crew is fantastic usually every company that I've worked for it's just extremely smooth and everyone gets along that's so good to hear I love hearing about the camaraderie in different aspects of the sex work industry like as a stripper a lot of us will hear oh like the locker room banter is like so great and all this stuff and it really (laughs) is it totally is you can't yeah. make that shit up. And I would definitely kind of consider that would be kind of the equivalent of what, what you feel on set with everyone there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's an immediate, like, emotional connection uh, to almost the camera. They tell you that you want to make love to the camera. And whenever I look at the lens, I think of the of the person that's watching my porn. I think about what they're feeling when they're seeing me. I think about who I want to be for them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm ready to work with my with my fellow performers. And I just know when we start filming, we're gonna have a good day. Yeah. I love that. That sounds so great. 
I just, I love the way that you speak about everything. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's not just positive. It's really real. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm trying to like say here, but it sounds like, it sounds like you're having a great time. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm having a really great time. It's, it's a lot better than I expected. That's the part that also surprised me. I mean, I thought that it was going to be a harder line of adjustment going from camming to professional porn uh, because I had started making my own content, but I felt like, oh, it's going to be so much more stricter. It's going to be rigid and it's going to be scary. And it really wasn't. I found that camming had prepared me for the industry in a way that I really had not planned for. Um, I was able to come up with a lot of improv in terms of filming that I would not have been able to do had I not made my own content beforehand. Yeah, that's so, so true. It was a good, like, maybe it's a good primer, I guess, for for porn because, yeah, you, especially when camming, you really got to think on the fly. <laughs> you got to, well, when I briefly, briefly did camming um, many, many years ago, it was two years ago. <laughs> Beginning of the pandemic, I tried it out, and I was like, this is not for me. But you have to really think on your feet. And sometimes when you're just sitting around waiting for people to come into the room, and when they do come in the room, like, okay, i got to keep people entertained. i got to stay true to myself. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe i got to think of some new games and stuff. And how am I going to interact with fans? How are they going to interact with me? Like, do do you miss that at all um, with porn? Because I'm sure there's – so many similarities with porn and camming, but there's yes. also things that are yes. so different. The thing that I really miss about porn is the exclusive connection that I have to my fans when I'm camming. And thankfully, I have now moved to location within like a spot where I can just go do porn and cam now that I'm coming back to like a more regular cam schedule. I'm really excited Yay. about that. I just felt like there was kind of a void in what I wanted to do versus where I am because I thrive off of being able to communicate to the people that got me where I am. I thrive off of knowing what their day is going to be like. I love being able to talk to them and just kind of be there for them in moments where they want or need me. Ah, I love that. So down to earth. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because I think like sometimes people think that it's all an act and it's just for money and like, yes, yeah, money's definitely a part of it. But like being on live and connecting with your fans that you get to know after all of these years, you really create a relationship. It's the most important part yes. for me because they helped me through so much and I respect the amount that they've been there with me the last four years. I mean, it's it's been crazy and I – Definitely never expected that I would be where I am right now. Oh, <laughs> to everyone who's listening in here from Leanna's fans. <laughs> Leanna's following. <laughs> I think that's super great. And so, and you're so, so humbling as well. Like you really acknowledge and recognize like where you came from, where you're going. And it's really nice to see that you're kind of like giving back to your fans in that kind of way too and like going back to regular schedule yeah. regular schedule and yeah. all that stuff. So I think that's so great to hear. Um cuz I know your your schedule is insanely busy with porn and also oh hello let there be light. 
<laughs> Sorry, yeah. I only just realized it was starting to get really dark, so I made sure to adjust real quick. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> See, the, we were just talking about this, the difference that lighting makes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <It's> so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> between juggling everything with your busy schedule, I wanted to ask you before we jump into questions and stuff too, but how do you yeah. decompress and how do you just like disconnect because you're you're always connected it sounds like oh, yeah. yeah whether oh, yeah. you're playing video games or whether you're camming whether you're on set you're kind of always in this mindset like when do you ever get a day off and what do you do to chill to be completely honest um the gift of having a day off is very seldom <laughs> <laughs> um but if I have an afternoon off or a couple hours off, what I do is I heat up a nice warm bath and uh, sometimes I just like it piping hot and I put in like half a bag of Epsom salts so good. <laughs> and it helps me with my muscles. I just feel so nourished. It feels amazing. And then I read um, a book or I listen to music and then I just sort of get in that zone where I can just melt in the water. <laughs> And um, when I, by the time I've come out, I have like a nice fluffy robe and then I might play some video games. That is how I sort of connect. Uh, or my favorite thing to do is actually watch a horror movie and play video what? games. <laughs> <laughs> I love having scary movies on. It's just like this kind of thrill that puts me in a mood I'll put I'll like wrap myself up in a blanket and get some popcorn <laughs> and I'll just have like scream or like Halloween on it's perfect <laughs> it does sound like a fun Friday night <laughs> in if you ever have a Friday night in but what 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 games are you yeah. playing right now if you even have any time to play games um lately I've been playing Genshin Impact it's really fun. It's kind of like a gacha game system, which is uh, like you put money into like the chance to get a character, oh. which sounds really silly. But uh, if you do get that character, then you can build on them. And um, it's really cool. It's like Breath of the Wild, okay. but Japanese MMO style mm. almost. It's, it's really cool. cool. And um, what else? I've also been playing uh, Remnants on the PS5. Okay. Um, lots of scary games. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely like a favorite of mine. I also play Destiny 2. Yes. It's just there's so many games that I kind of just don't stop playing, including League of Legends. There you go. Lots of classics there. Lots of classics, oh, yeah. for sure. And, like, with video games, it's such a good way to just transport you in a different world. <sighs> <laughs> totally. That's cool. I mean, like, I think – I mean, I would love for you to have more more time to yourself <laughs> if you can. But oh, it yeah. sounds like you're having fun doing everything that you're doing. So I love, love, love hearing that. Um, we do have a few questions here as well that has come from the audience. Mm -hmm which is almost my favorite part. <laughs> and I guess it's kind of time to go into that, if you don't mind. Oh, yes, please. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, sure. 
Let's hear what what they say. So the first one is, it's kind of long. I'm just going to make sure it's all up here. So when it comes to a dude's penis, how do we, dudes with penis, know when a sex worker is being sincere when they say something like, you have a really nice dick. I have not seen many other dudes' peens outside of porn. So I'm honestly not sure what the average or even like how other penises can look like to know if what I'm being told is sincere or just part of their sex work routine. All righty. So I think that that's a really great question, but it is so extremely nuanced at the same time. And that's why I think it's cool because every different performer is going to have their own style for dick ratings. Being in sex work, sometimes it's like you're um, a therapist in some ways, and you have to kind of analyze what you think that the fan wants. There are certain fans that will pay for a dick rating because they want to hear good things, or some people that pay for a dick rating because they want to be insulted about their penis. And you have to determine what kind of client they are. Yes. So it's very hard uh, knowing if they really want you to be honest or not. If you say, I want you to be honest, uh, like, just give it to me straight. I think that will really motivate the girl to be honest about what she thinks about your mm-hmm. dick. If she thinks, hey, it's a great dick, you know, then she's probably being really honest if you're telling her to be honest about it. Because otherwise, I think uh, it would be very easy to be critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> I 100% agree with Liana. So, As a person that has done dick ratings in the past as well, um, I think it really just depends on the relationship that you have with that sex worker. Um, Like I think it's really important because I don't know what kind of rapport you have with, say, Liana or with me. And we're totally different, Mm -hmm. two different styles with in terms of being a sex worker. So I think it really just depends on what you're (laughs) wanting out of it, right? So like if you're wanting the honest, if you're wanting the honesty, then I think it's really cool if you express that or you tell them in some way, because I always love it when people are really specific about what they want, as opposed to me trying to figure it out. (laughs) I love it when they just say it because it makes it so much easier. And then I'm like, yes, I can absolutely do that. I can do everything you want. If you'll just tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Like, I I love that. Like, and it's not like we're being lazy. It's not that at all. But sometimes, like, there are many other people that are fighting for the attention. And, (laughs) like, I want to make sure that I can give everyone the attention that they want. But if you're being vague about things and that that's one kind of, to me, tells me you might be a time waster or – yeah, not too, that. Right? I get so worried that I'm not going to be able to please them the way that they want me to. I, because mind reading is definitely a skill. And then I'm just like, well, if I get the thing wrong, is that really what they wanted me to do? Yeah. And if there's any sex workers listening out here too, it's really – like I don't think it's good – a good part of your brand to play a one size fits all for all of your clients. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. Cause everyone there is, everyone is different and you can't just be like, Oh, well I can't just copy and paste. You can't just copy and paste the message. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like yeah. you need to put in the care, the nurture for each and every one of your clients 
in order to have like a good lasting relationship that will last a long time. So our two cents. (laughs) Some more questions here. Um, I'd like to hear quite a bit about her current spirituality slash religious beliefs as I share that with her. Okay. So I basically decided that I was going to find what I believed uh, through the different philosophies of other religions And I was just going to sort of piece together what made sense to me. So as I go throughout uh, my own practice, uh, my main focus right now is like I follow very closely to Taoism and uh, Buddhism. And from there, uh, I primarily love to read like esoteric texts uh that might be like almost out of commission and very difficult to find i feel like all of those things every culture informs us of a different kind of truth um and sort of based on that i just sort of touch and go in terms of what i follow I think that's the best way to kind of describe it. Otherwise, it might take me even more hours <laughs> to kind of really explain my personal beliefs. Yeah, no, that's okay. I think that's really, really a great SparkNotes version of it. And if you do want to hear yeah. the full thing, because I'm sure that will actually take hours, um, feel free to le- reach out to Liana and possibly pay her for her time for that because that's that's a lot yeah. of time she's going to yeah. be giving up for you. So thank you for the question. <laughs> um what does she oh why does she have so many deaths on her wish list (laughs) (laughs) okay so that's actually a really good question basically i put a bunch of different desks on my wish list because i thought it could kind of be like build a room where you guys get to choose what my office looks like I want you guys to choose the desk that I have in my room because then it would kind of (laughs) um, be influenced and it would give you more control over what I have in my environment. Uh, Also, there's no need to worry. I'm not like making my own business startup anytime soon. (laughs) It is just um, (laughs) is is just because I want to give you guys choices. I love that. <laughs> this question just made me laugh so much. We're not laughing at the question. We're not laughing at you, re- uh, listener. No, it's just I definitely – I have like five desks in my Amazon wish list. <laughs> That's the part that I'm laughing about because I know it's silly. I just thought, you know, they could just pick which one they like. I'm going to actually keep your wish list after this. <laughs> no but I think that's really really cool because like you're really really encouraging fan interaction and like kind of what you said even in the beginning when you started camming with all the different stuffies like maybe I'll have that fan buy me that one I'll display in the background make you feel good about themselves and you know kind of build that relationship that way so I like the idea that whenever I make a video in my bedroom whenever I'm using something a fan will know hey I got that for her I really like the idea that they have an influence in my personal life in terms of how these types of things are set up. 
because then they'll know that that's a part of what I'm doing every day. Yeah. And that makes people feel really, really good. It's like really rewarding. It's giving them recognition. And fun Mm -hmm. fact, (laughs) I wouldn't have started this podcast if a fan didn't buy me my mic four years ago. Oh my gosh. There we go. It all comes around, right? And um, shout out to Enrique. Shout out <laughs> yeah. to you. Thank you for buying me that mic so many years ago. Look where we are now. So it all comes around. Very cyclical. So. <laughs> and last question here for Ms. Loving. So how obsessed are you with Hello Kitty? Hmm. Okay. So – I do have some Hello Kitty things. Like I have a uh, a Hello Kitty plushie with like a kimono from Japan. Uh, so it's like a Japan exclusive Hello Kitty. <laughs> and I also have like um, things mainly from like Sanrio products. So I really love uh, like Rilakkuma. <laughs> and I really love uh, Pushin. Cute. Pushin is like a little cat <laughs> cartoon that I'm a really big fan of. Uh, so <laughs> it's, you know, I, I think I started liking Hello Kitty uh, when I was very little. I was about four or five and I had some neighbors from Japan that actually got me a porcelain Hello Kitty piggy bank. What? And they were so sweet. And... um. I kept that piggy bank for years and I sort of fell in love with Hello Kitty from that, but I don't really have many Hello Kitty things. That's okay. I feel like a lot of us <laughs> are big Hello Kitty fans. Such a classic. Like mm-hmm. I grew up with watching Hello Kitty. Does anyone remember the Hello Kitty TV show back in the day? Or like Karoki, <laughs> the TV show back in the day? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a long time ago. Aging myself now, but that uh, yeah, Hello Kitty's a classic. FYI, <laughs> such fun questions this time around. Like I'm, I'm just yeah. having so much fun here. <laughs> Liano, before I let you go, where can we find you? Alrighty, well you can find me on Twitter as Leanna Lovings. That's L E A N A L O V I N G S. Leanna Lovings, and that's with capital L's. And uh, my OnlyFans is Leanna Lovings as well, but that's a lowercase. The same goes for my Instagram. There we go. Nice and simple and easy. Oh, Leanna, this is so much fun chatting with you today. Thank you so, so much. It's been a great hour, and I hope this episode has given people some ideas, especially if you were considering going into camming, um, really laying the groundwork on Chatterbait. Um, your really unique entry into porn, your really unique entry into camming. (laughs) (laughs) So, so fun. And uh, for everyone else listening, it's Stripped by Sia on Instagram. It's Stripped by Sia on Twitter. Uh, My Patreon is Stripped by Sia as well. Patreon.com slash Stripped by Sia. If you like what you are listening to, maybe consider writing a review if you like it, uh, rating it five stars, whatever you feel like, maybe four stars, but I'm highly suggesting five stars. (laughs) But it's, yeah, new episodes every single Sunday, and we'll catch everyone in for another episode next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Liana. Thank you. Bye.
listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, music by Ted D, graphic design by Maria Bellandarama, and photography by Ian Dabrin. Are you a sex worker looking to build a new website or a website redesign? Then you'll want to consider Fox Digital. They did a fantastic job designing my website, Stripped by Sia. If you want your website done, mention that you're a listener of the show at foxdigital.design for 20% off. Tell them I sent you.